there. You're listening to the Cary Church Podcast. We at Cary seek to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. To find out more on how to connect with us, go to cary.asn.au. The reading this morning is from Proverbs 26, verses 1 to 9. Like snow in summer or rain in harvest, honour is not fitting for a fool. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the backs of fools. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Sending a message by the hands of a fool is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. Like the useless legs of one who is lame is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Like tying a stone in a sling is the giving of honour to a fool. Like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Ritsuko will now read the passage in Japanese. シンゲン、26章1節から9節を読みます。誉れが愚かなものにふさわしくないのは夏の雪、狩入れ時の雨のようだ。逃げる雀のように飛び去る燕のように言われのない呪いはやってこない。馬には鞭、ロバには靴は
just not that long ago, which uh, was less than wise. I, uh, we've just got our new house, uh, and it's beautiful, and everything is great. Uh, I thought I would try to improve it by putting a shelf up on the wall. So I got out my drill, I measured it up and everything. It was going to be a great shelf. And I drilled into the, into the wall, and this little hole, suddenly water started gushing out. And I called for my wife, Amy, who came running in, obviously concerned, and I got her to hold a bucket while I went and turned the, turned the water off, and we got an emergency plumber out, uh, which cost an arm and a leg, who fixed it up, had to put a big hole in the wall to get to it. I had actually managed to not just hit one pipe, but hit two water pipes somehow, right straight down between them. You couldn't do that if you tried. But also that the, uh, the plumber had to cut into the tile as well. Uh, so it was an expensive mistake. And what I would do for somebody to have been there and say, don't do that, that's not very smart. Think about whether we really want that shelf in that specific uh, location. If I could send a message back to my younger self, that would have been nice. So today we're actually talking about speaking uh, wisdom into foolishness. We're seeing uh, something happen. We're learning about uh, when we should talk. Uh, so we're talking about wisdom, and uh, I'll take it as a compliment uh, that I was asked to speak uh, about wisdom. Uh, hopefully it's not uh, because they want to make me an example of what foolishness is, but we're talking about wisdom and talking about when to speak wisdom. So the focus for today is actually on two verses which has caused uh, all sorts of trouble. Verses 4 and 5, um, Yvette just coming up, <laughs> um, Yvette walking past me down the side uh, when those verses came up, uh, she said, yeah, good luck with that. But it's verses 4 and 5 which says, do not answer a fool according to their folly or you yourself will be just like them. Answer a fool according to their folly, or they will be wise in their own eyes. Do not answer a fool. Answer a fool. Is that a contradiction? Is it contradictory? Well, I think it is, and deliberately so. That's the point, right? The author knew what he was doing. The editor knew what they were doing, putting these verses right next to one another. They knew that these were opposites. And that's the point. This is getting to the core of what the wisdom literature does. It's getting to the core of what Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Job, Song of Songs, and some of the Psalms, getting to the core of what these passages do. So you see, wisdom is not about rules. Proverbs is not a rule book. Someone who is wise is not someone who knows lots of facts, lots of witty, pithy statements, not someone who can recite literature, song lyrics, uh, Bible passages, speeches. It's not someone who knows lots of rules that can be applied uh, in any circumstance, at any situation. Biblical wisdom uh, is something much deeper, and it is concerned largely with relationship. Wisdom is about reflecting the heart 
of God. A wise person recognises that we do not live in a black and white world. We live in a world of grey, where one decision might be appropriate in one circumstance, but inappropriate in another circumstance. And Proverbs reflects this. Proverbs uh, recognises this world. They show us that life can be tricky. Making decisions in the moment can be hard. It would be nice if there are these universal rules that we can just pull out and say, this is what we do at all times. But that's usually not the case. Sometimes maybe, but usually it can be a little bit more uh, tricky and we have to kind of figure out what to do. Proverbs and the wisdom literature teach us how to reflect and they teach us how to think. Do not answer a fool or you will become a fool. Answer a fool or they will think themselves wise. They will continue to perpetuate their foolishness. So which one is it? Do you answer a fool? If you see something foolish, do you speak into it? If you hear something that you think was a little bit dumb, do you respond to that? If you see something foolish, something unhelpful, something unjust, something unloving, do you speak into that? Do you do something or not? Well, it depends on the circumstance. The Proverbs, the wisdom literature, they demand reflection. They demand consideration. We have to sit with these wise sayings, dwell on them, prayerfully reflect on them, consider how we can learn from them. They're not abstract rules, but they're guides. They lead us through this ambiguity of life. They cause us to drill into our very own psyche and make us think about how we think and about how we act. When we do the hard work of letting the wisdom literature, of letting these proverbs challenge us, when we're not looking for the quick and the simple answer, but when we allow this wisdom to speak into the depths of our very beings, God will make us wise. And then we would know when to speak, when to stay silent, when to act, when not to act, when to drill into a wall and when not to. By putting these two conflicting statements together, uh, the author is not making a mistake, but doing something very intentional. If the author said, sometimes answer a fool, but sometimes don't, it doesn't carry the same sort of rhetorical force. Answer a fool. Don't answer a fool. We're forced as readers to seriously consider how we would act, how we would uh, act in uh, real life, in a real circumstance. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning, about the wisdom of speech. When should we talk? When should we stay silent? When should we get angry? When should we just pull up our sleeves and get to work? There's a lot of this idea uh, in the New Testament, in the recorded words of Jesus, in the letters of Paul, uh, and in the book of James, uh, which is kind of considered uh, the New Testament version uh, of wisdom literature. Uh, so I'm going to pull from this as well, the New Testament wisdom, as we explore what these proverbs mean. 
But before we do that, let's pause. I've already asked you to raise your hand about when you've done something silly, uh, something foolish. Let me ask you another question. I'm not going to get you to raise your hands, uh, but just reflect. Just think on this. Can you think of any time that you have spoken when you shouldn't have spoken? Can you think of a time when maybe you said something in anger? Maybe you said something uh, that was actually wrong. Can you think of a time when you should have said something, but you didn't? Maybe you were scared of how they would perceive you. Perhaps you didn't know precisely what to say or to do in that moment, but looking back, you really wish that you did something. Can you think of any of those moments? I've seen some people nodding their heads, which is good. Most of us have probably had moments like that. I think it's important then to think about how and when to speak. I think of the old uh, saying, a proverb if you like, be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. Fortunately, the Bible has plenty to teach us about speech. As in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, which says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others, that it may benefit those who listen. Only what is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. Maybe that could be a good measure when we're thinking about when we should talk. You know, is it going to help? Is it going to build others up? So my first point for this morning is nothing is heard until something is said. Nothing is heard until something is said. That seems fairly obvious. It's pretty simple. Maybe that's a good place to start. Of course, they're not going to hear what you have to think unless you tell them. They're not going to hear anything unless you actually speak. In Proverbs 26, verse 5, which we've been looking at, it says, Answer a fool according to their folly, or they will be wise in their own eyes. Here, the author of this proverb is telling us that there are times when we should speak, when we should speak to foolishness. If we see something, we have to say something. We should speak. Nothing is heard until something is said. But what is foolishness? How do we know when we see foolishness? I'm sure we can all think of times which we might think were, were foolish. Uh, if we reflect on things that we have done, maybe we think that, oh, that was a foolish thing to do. But in the Bible, the idea of foolishness is a very diverse uh, term covers a wide range of things from simple practical things like finances or making deals to the uh, much larger things like murder, adultery, uh, rejecting God. Generally, it's in contrast to wisdom, and wisdom covers a wide range of things as well. I think generally it comes down to relationship with God, with yourself, with the world, and with others. Is your action or your statement going to hinder or strengthen? 
your relationship with that person or their relationship with another or with God or with the world. If you can't look after yourself, you won't be able to look after others. It's important that we care for ourselves. If you continue doing this one thing, uh, is that going to put people off? Or is that going to cause serious harm to yourself if you continue doing this foolish thing? Maybe sometimes a harsh word is needed to help that person. So I think often it comes down to this, to relationship. If you see someone going down a foolish path, about to do a foolish thing, something that hinders their relationship, they won't know unless they are told. Nothing is heard until something is said. Answer a fool according to their folly, or they will be wise in their own eyes. If you don't speak, you are reinforcing uh, their own perceived wisdom. So you should speak. You should speak into their foolishness or into uh, that foolish act or whatever it is so that they can become aware. So, a hypothetical situation. Your son is buying his first car and you're helping him. Uh, and your, your son has his eyes set on this big truck. It guzzles fuel. Uh, the seatbelt doesn't quite work most of the time. Uh, the price is outrageous and you take it for a test drive and you just see the fuel gauge dropping to, dropping to that E far too fast. You think that it is a foolish purchase, but your son thinks it's a chick magnet. He really wants it. He has plans to put a giant muffler on the back of it and decals down the side of it. You think it's not good. You think its carbon footprint is enormous and maintaining that beast uh, will cost your son and probably you uh, a lot. Do you tell your son? Do you speak? If you think it's foolish, do you tell your son that it is foolish? Perhaps it could be a valuable lesson for your son. Perhaps you could see the joy in his face. And so you think, oh, it's, not, it's probably not that bad. We can negotiate on price a little bit. Perhaps it would just wreck your son financially and perhaps socially. I'll leave that up to you and your particular parenting style. But what if it's something a bit more significant? You see someone desperate, someone who has recently lost their job, gone through a divorce, whose car has just been stolen. There's a car theme, apparently. <laughs> this person takes whatever money they can scrounge together and they take it to the casino. They want to take it to the casino. Should you say something there? What if a person is making a big decision based on faulty information? They're buying into the salesperson's pitch. But you think that piece of land is a bad investment. Or you're pretty sure that this is a pyramid scheme. Do you say something? Yes, you should. You should help that person. You should help those people. And there are so many different circumstances where that would apply, and we can list them off forever. Humans have an amazing way of finding foolish things to do. But we have to remember that nothing is heard until something is said. If we see foolishness, we should answer. Otherwise, they will continue in their foolishness. Jesus reminds us of this in Matthew 8, verse 
verse 15. Sorry, 18, verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. So for Jesus, it again comes down to that relationship. Speaking saves people. Speaking saves relationship. It is a godly thing to speak to ungodliness. It is a wise thing to speak to foolishness. Sometimes it is difficult, but it is important. Nothing is said until something, sorry, nothing is heard until something is said. But sometimes what needs to be said is silence. The Greek philosopher Homer once said, words empty as the wind are best left unsaid. Or maybe you've heard the saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Maybe that's probably a good maxim to live by generally. Uh, Sometimes there might be uh, circumstances where actually we have to say something that might sound a little bit mean uh, if it's going to help them, if it's going to benefit uh, everyone or society. However, there are times when it is better not to say anything at all. Silence sometimes separates the wise from the fools. The wise know when to speak and when to stay silent. As the author of Ecclesiastes states, words from the mouth of the wise are gracious. But fools are consumed with their own lips. In other words, fools might continue to keep on babbling when a wise person knows when to stop. And James reminds us when he states, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. A truly righteous person is one who knows when to stop talking and actually get on with the business of the gospel, of looking after orphans and widows, James would then continue to say. Do not answer a fool according to their folly, or you yourself will be just like them. So here the author is saying, one of the times that it's best to remain silent is when that person is just not going to listen to you or you've tried talking to them and they refuse to heed your warnings. The author is saying that fools, fools are fools. They are unlikely to listen to wisdom and arguing with them is fruitless. In arguing with a fool, you become a fool yourself. Just like the saying, arguing with a fool proves there are two. You have to know when to fold or when to dust your hands and walk away. That, of course, can be very hard, especially if the person we're caring for is someone we deeply, deeply care for, and you can see that they're going in a bad direction. In those cases, all we can do after we've done all we can is to pray for them, to be there for them when they return, like the prodigal son, or rather like the prodigal son's father. Nothing is heard until something is said, but sometimes what needs to be said is silence. Another time when we might need to rein in our speech is when we're not in our right mind. Maybe we're tired, 
were angry, frustrated, flustered. Maybe we're just waking up after surgery and uh, the medicine is still not worn off. In those moments, you might want uh, to be a little more careful with what you say uh, because words are powerful and they can do real damage if the wrong word is said. Proverbs tells us elsewhere that evil words destroy one's friends. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit of both death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words can hurt, and in those moments, maybe it's best to stay silent. When you speak, check what you're saying. Will it build others up? Will it benefit those who listen? If not, maybe we should remain silent. Nothing is heard until something is said, but sometimes what needs to be said is anger. In general, the Bible makes it clear that we should not dwell on anger. If we do get angry, we should try to find reconciliation as soon as we can. James 1 verse 19 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We should be slow to anger. But it's interesting that he doesn't say that we should not be angry. There are times when anger, I think, is necessary and we should act on it, particularly when we see injustice, when we see things that hurt the heart of God. The world is rife with injustice. It always has been. Social media just makes it all the more obvious. When we see it, we should be vocal about it. I believe that the Christian thing is to get annoying. (laughs) We should make noise. We should challenge the authorities and the elite. We should demand that those in power will make changes. I believe it is the Christian thing because Jesus did it. The Gospels tell us every now and again, Jesus got angry or this angered Jesus. When he saw injustice, he spoke into it. He challenged, uh, sorry, he called the Jewish elite a brood of vipers, which was seriously harsh language at the time. Perhaps probably would get beeped out if it was on TV. He turned over money tables with a whip. He got angry when he saw injustice. But I also think of uh, uh, William Wilberforce whose life mission was to see the abolition of slavery. He led the parliamentary campaign, which led to the Slave Trade Act of 1807, which abolished the slave trade. And then he spent the rest of his career campaigning to see the abolition of slavery in its entirety. The Slavery Abolition Act was eventually passed in 1833, All his hard work built up to that. And then he died three days later. That act abolished slavery throughout the British Empire, or the most of uh, the British Empire. He was remembered as a ferocious debater. He was seen by many as a nuisance because he was constantly giving speeches. But he had to. He had to make a noise. He saw some injustice that hurt him. 
that he felt it was his duty to right that wrong. So he kept speaking. He kept making noise. No one would hear otherwise. Nothing is heard unless something is said. Sometimes what needs to be heard is anger. And it was his faith which drove him. He said, God Almighty has before me two great objects, the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. Following Jesus means sometimes getting angry. The church should not be just a meek and mild institution. Christians should not be passive when there is injustice and inaction happening every day. The church should be fighting tooth and nail for what Jesus cares for. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a pastor in Germany during the Nazi regime, he declared that silence in the face of evil is evil itself. He walked the walk. He stood up to a tyrannical and evil power. He paid the ultimate price for it. But he spoke up when he saw injustice. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Nothing is heard until something is said. Sometimes that needs to be anger. We need to get angry at injustice, at evil, at corruption, at greed. And perhaps it's fitting to be talking about this on Australia Day. Because the history of Australia is littered with acts of injustice. Injustice which still reverberates to today. And which is still done today. Injustice against the indigenous people, and against the land itself. It's good to see that things are slowly changing, but in order to improve, we have to be honest with ourselves and with our history. As with Wilberforce and Bonhoeffer and so many other moments of social improvement throughout history, let us make sure that the church is once again at the forefront of social change, demonstrating to the world the heart of God, that we are the nation and the people of God, that we are the church. Today of all days is a good day to remember that. Answer a fool according to their folly, or they will be wise in their own eyes. When we see folly, injustice, inaction, let us speak. Let us make an annoying noise so that people hear us. Let us make a racket so that they cannot ignore us and in so doing, build others up, proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. We must speak. We must act when we see injustice. Nothing is heard until something is said. But sometimes... What needs to be said is a verb. Sometimes what needs to be said is something that needs to be done. Sometimes what needs to be heard is something that needs to be seen. Words are not always enough. In fact, often or usually they aren't. If we are to effect real change, we need to work. Maybe we're very wise people and we have a wise statement or answer 
for every situation. We know when to speak up. We know when to stay silent. And when we do say something, we know precisely what to say. Maybe we know all of that. But if we are telling someone to do one thing and we are doing a completely different thing, people will notice. People will notice. Whether we try to hide it up as much as we like or not, they will see that hypocrisy. It's not enough to say the right words. We have to show it. We have to live it. What if Wilberforce preached against slavery but then kept a slave for himself? What if Bonhoeffer preached against the Nazi regime but then gave the Nazi salute before each of his sermons? What if Jesus preached love and self-sacrifice but fled from Jerusalem when things got hard? We have to act. And people have to see it. People will see it. This idea of acting comes up all the time in the Bible. From James, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. In the next chapter, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions. Nothing is heard until something is said, but sometimes that needs to be an action. Sometimes we just need to be there with the person who is not listening to us. Sometimes preaching the gospel of message of love is showing love, accepting them for who they are, inviting them in and cooking them dinner. Sometimes it's going the extra mile when we can't be bothered. Sometimes it's forgiving them even if they don't care. Sometimes, as with Jesus, maybe it means giving up our very lives. So we began talking today with, uh, sorry, about wisdom and how wisdom is about relationship and how it is not knowing rules that can be applied to any situation, but about knowing what to do or say in the very moment to build others up. We saw that sometimes that requires speaking into foolishness when we see it. We saw that sometimes it requires silence from refraining from speaking in anger or basically just not wasting our energy. We saw that sometimes it requires anger. We need to speak into injustice. We also saw that sometimes it requires an action, that we should be doing something. The best way to preach the gospel is to live the gospel. Wisdom recognises that the world is not black and white, but it is complex. The author of these Proverbs know, uh, knows this very well. In the New Testament, Paul calls Jesus the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And where did Jesus go? What did he do? What did he say? Who did he say it to? He spent time with the marginalised and the weak. He loved the unlovable. 
and he died for the undeserving. What is wisdom? We need only to look to Jesus to know what we should do. So let us follow Jesus into that world of grey. Let us follow Jesus into the grey. Let us love how he loved. Let us speak when he would speak. Stay silent when he would stay silent. Get angry when he would get angry and work when he would work. Let us follow Jesus and be wise. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for sending your Son, for demonstrating what it means to be wise, for showing us true love. Help us, Lord, to reflect that same wisdom, that same love, that same selflessness. Thank you for your presence here with us today. Give us the courage to speak. Give us the discernment to know when to speak. Help us to know what to say and how. Lord, I pray that you build us up, that you reveal yourself to us more and more. We thank you for your love.